Welcome to the Health Ignited Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Nick and Sonia Jensen. We are partners, parents, business partners, doctors, yoga teachers, and retreat leaders. We promise to bring you real conversations to awaken and ignite your potential to live your best life possible. Join us each week as we dive into topics varying from brain health, biohacking, hormones, and longevity, to relationships, parenting, meditation, and more. Together, creating community and building stronger foundations for the generations to come. Hey everyone, Dr. Nick and Sonia here, and welcome to another episode of Health Ignited. Uh, We've got some really cool things to talk about today, and I know Dr. Nick and I are going to learn a lot about each other and how we can support each other and our two boys, and that's always what we're looking to do, is to find new ways to be more aware of um, ourselves, our mental health, our physical health, and all the things that are related to, especially this year, because there's been so much change and turmoil for us for a lot of people so we really thought it's so important to bring guests on that are going to help support this conversation Mm -hmm. yeah and on that note i mean everything that we encourage people to you know investigate within themselves is this sense of freedom and and health freedom and a big part of that is you know if you don't have freedom within the the landscape of the mind and and what and resources and awarenesses and observations as we're going to dive into it's really difficult because we can get so focused on our diet, maybe or exercise and think that we're still broken. And when we can pay attention to some of these deeper aspects that really involve investigating mental health in the mind, um, that's sometimes one of the most important places to start. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So today we have Dr. Claire Nikogosian. She is a clinical psychologist and a clinical assistant professor and also an author of an amazing book that I'm really going to have to get is Mama, You're Enough how to create calm, joy, and confidence within the chaos of motherhood. And I know it's going to be a book that all mamas need because that is the core message that we are all enough and we forget that in our day-to-day lives. So I'm really happy to have Dr. Claire on. Thank you so much for joining us. I think this is going to be an amazing conversation for our listeners. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure and joy um, to be here with you. So looking forward to our discussions today. Yeah, so before we start diving into some concepts and questions, um, we'd really love to get an understanding of your work and what brought you to working with maybe women and mothers in particular, and um, why you thought it was really important to help support, you know, the center of the family, I believe, because mothers really are. Yeah. No, I share that. I share that observation. That's a beautiful way of of, of, of summarizing they are mothers are the cornerstone and um, really mother is a nurturer and a protector Um, and and so there's a lot of stress on mothers in terms of you know raising a family and working and managing now a pandemic Um, and you know one of the things that inspired me to write this book mama you are enough is as a mother as as a woman um, I have a master's in counseling and a doctorate in clinical psychology And when I became a mother to premature twins, um, I had a lot of those moments where I was like, how come no one ever talks about this? Like, how come no one's saying like what's really happening um, in terms of emotional health beyond the postpartum, right? So I think we do, I, I think there's some stigma and some more advocacy around postpartum depression and anxiety. And I'm happy to see that we still have more ways to go in terms of maternal mental health. But the concern is what happens when a mother, you know, has a toddler now and she's still having some emotions and doesn't quite fit the criteria for a postpartum depression or anxiety or a mood disorder, but she's having these really intense emotions that when she talks about it, other people may say, oh, enjoy your kids. They grow up so fast or you'll regret these days, you know, you know, they'll grow up soon. And and I really reacted as a, as a mother myself saying, wait a minute, I can love and adore my children and also have these moments of worry or fear or anxiety, things that I call the shadow emotions. Because once we call them a negative emotion, we're going to judge it. So I like to, in the book, I call it a shadow emotion. And that I, I was, I wrote it in my passion came out of the gap of what I was experiencing. I thought with all this education and privilege that I have, as a clinician, and I'm still feeling this, um, we've got to do better for our moms. And we have to do better for like helping mothers and fathers on their on their journey of parenthood. So um, I really started seeing in my private practice, you know, 
I would start working with a lot of moms and just listen and started seeing the, the common themes. And that's what's in the book. And in my own experience with my, you know, great group of um, girlfriends. And so that's kind of how I became very interested in maternal mental health. Yeah, I can really resonate with that. Because when I became a mom, too, I started seeing more moms in my practice and really seeing the theme that underlies a lot of our interactions with ourselves and how we see ourselves. And, um, you know, I kind of joke sometimes, I think I'm a really good mom from zero to five. So my anxieties, my fears, and all that showed up more. So after they were five years old, so that's not considered postpartum anymore. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, like you were saying, it's not really talked about. And I hear a lot from others, you know, like you were saying that they grow up so quickly. So enjoy these moments and these moments are going to come back. And I fully feel that and agree with that. And I have to be in a healthy state today so I can enjoy those moments and be in the right place to be able to discern between an emotion that they're invoking inside of me or something that I'm reacting to. So I feel like there's so many layers to that. So I'm really happy that you're addressing that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And it's so true, isn't it? That, that we just have to sometimes honor our feelings and let them go in, let them go out, observe Mm -hmm. them and not kind of make an, an, an appraisal of ourselves or how we're doing in our mothering journey. And everyone has a different skill set. So zero to five was your strength. Um, and for someone else, that would have been their greatest challenge. And mm-hmm. that's also the beauty of it is that we don't have to judge ourselves. We can just observe, you know, where we may need a little extra um, self-care for ourselves or support from our environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you created a really helpful roadmap, I think, in discussing the, these five key signs that the women may experience going through this process, you know, you know, pre self-judgment, just, you know, maybe things are sort of falling apart. They don't really know why. Um, let's, let's go through some of those because, because I think they're really important signs for, for women to pay attention to. And then also for the husbands to also notice that their, their wives and partners are, are uh, challenged with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. So, you know, I think what I say often in the therapy room and remind myself of as well is, you know, the foundation of taking care of ourselves starts with our physical health. And so there's really no separation between mental health and physical health, because how you treat your body physically in terms of your sleep, nutrition, activity levels, hydration, if you're using alcohol or not, or other substances that contributes to your mental health and new moms, new dads know that sleep deprivation will make your emotions, you know, go all over the place. So when it comes to recognizing, you know, women and mothers and and how, you know, partners can help, you know, really first it's looking at our physical health. What are we doing in terms of those basic um, important foundational skills of self-care? And so I think the one thing to do is, you know, really regulate as much as you can stay on a schedule, your sleep, your nutrition, you know, physical activity. Some, I don't like using the word exercise because I think so many people react negatively. Um, physical activity is, you know, running after your toddler. It's going for a walk. It can be, you know, doing household work or chores or going up and down the stairs on your, on your work break. Um, so all those things are the foundation. Emotionally, we want to it would encourage moms and, and, you know, partners and spouses to really understand that, you know, everyone has a set point baseline of emotions. You know, we all have like a set point stress level or a set point of our personality. When you start noticing fluctuations that are disruptive, you want to pay attention to that. And a lot of times, you know, moms say I'm running on fumes. I'm feeling burnt out. Um, you know, when, when a mother says that, when you hear yourself say that, or you hear your spouse say that you want to be curious and ask more and say, you know, tell me more. Like you have heard you say the word, I've heard you say that you're burned out several times now. What does burned out mean to you? And you just want to open up a space in a dialogue to be curious about what she's trying to express. And, um, and you don't want to challenge it or get defensive. You just want to listen. She's running on fumes. She's feeling tired. And maybe what she needs is just to vent. And after venting, you can go into and say, you know, is there something I can do to help? Um, is there something that would be meaningful that I could take off your plate right now and actually follow through and do it? Like, so you don't, you don't want to say you're going to do something and then have someone remind you, then that kind of undoes your commitment 
of, of what, how you're going to help. Okay, sweetheart. Pandemic parenting right there. Yeah. <laughs> never sorry, ends. my daughter just walked in. <laughs> it's perfect timing. It never ends. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> perfect timing. So that's, that's the first thing is I think we want to encourage, you know, just to take care of your physical health and also just observe what you're seeing and be curious about learning more. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a perfect or um, great point that you're making about feeling heard, because sometimes it really is just about that permission to express what's happening. And sometimes we don't even allow our own internal dialogue to be heard by ourselves, because we have this um, myth that we're supposed to be able to do it all. And that this is just what motherhood is supposed to be like. So why am I going to complain about it? And sometimes we shut down that voice even within ourselves. So to have somebody outside of us you know, recognize that we're not doing well, or we need some support, just having that, I think can create such a different door to different types of communication for the couple. Um, I, for me, I know my, our second, when our second son was born, I had two friends that had children at the same time within like weeks. So we would call each other every morning to check in and to see. And I think just having somebody like that around your life too, can be really supportive so that You can talk about the daily things that um, are making you feel like you're burnt out if your physical body isn't getting the support that it needs, like sleep, for example. Yeah, and I like how how you presented the question too from a partner's place because it's easy, I think, as a partner to go like, oh, like Sonny, you're not really picking up your socks, you know, things. (laughs) What's happening here? You're falling apart. I mean, it's really easy to you know move out of observation into judgment, and so I think you know just how you articulated that that questioning is so important for that that partner as well. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. And and I would add to that is also, you know, really not taking your 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 partner's exhaustion or overwhelm personally. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's important and I see that with kids right now too. You know, I have three teenagers. Um, well, no, I guess I have to call my twins. They're 18. They're adults. Wow. So, <laughs> I have two adults, 18 a 13 year old and a 10 year old. And, um, and, you know, parenting teenagers is really hard and can feel very personal. Mm -hmm. And so I think that right now, all of us have the uh, heightened levels of psychological distress from the pandemic, that maybe with our partners, we may hear their exhaustion and fear that we're failing them. And so, oops, I don't want to ask how you're doing because it's going to be a litany of things I'm not doing. So I'm going to avoid that because I'm making the assumption I'm your stress point. So, you know, we want to listen in a non-defensive way. And we also want to listen with curiosity and observation, as well as don't take things personally. Mm -hmm. Don't take it personally. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the the second thing that you talk about is... um, when women are lacking that personal freedom. I think that's a really important one too, because from that space, I know in the past for me too, I have felt maybe emotions of resentment then because Mm -hmm. I'm giving of myself so much, especially in the early days when, you know, your children are nursing and you're not sleeping and you're still trying to work and you're doing, you're just doing all the things. And at the end of the day, when your partner wants some intimacy or a connection, it's really hard to do that because you've been giving of your body all day to these little beings. And so I think um, speaking to that lack of personal freedom would be really great for our listeners to maybe just understand what that even means and how they can navigate through those emotions when they show up. Absolutely. And I, I, I really appreciate your transparency and sharing that. I think by even sharing what you just shared gives listeners permission to step into their own feelings as well. So I really am grateful um, for that example. And I do think that it is so important just to talk about our feelings and inter- I'll, I'll say something about personal freedom. You know, what I've seen the trend um, with mothers is, you know, again, we're talking that, you know, every home is different. Every, you know, there's unspoken agreements and what works for your friend or sister or brother may not work for your home, but somehow your home has created, you know, a division of, of roles and responsibilities. The trend that I see is that even when moms are working part-time, full-time, that a lot of the invisible load of motherho- motherhood, you know, the, the mental load of motherhood gets put on a mother's shoulders, no matter what her, you know, occupation may be outside the home. And 
so there's a lot of, there's a lack of ability to have personal freedom. So she's what we call sometimes the default parent. So if a child is sick, she's at home, she'll take the time off from work. If someone, you know, her partner's running late for work, of course, it's just assumed she's going to be taking over. Um, this can be, you know, create some resentment in terms of limited personal freedom. And um, it's really important for, for couples to talk about those expectations clearly with boundaries and to let someone know what you need, let someone know how you're feeling. If, you know, you start noticing those feelings of resentment come up and you're directing that towards your partner, you want to pay attention to that because resentment is really unfinished pain. And in, in the book, Mama, You Are Enough, one of the things I wanted to do as a mother, because, you know, I know that time is so hard for moms, the greatest and dads, the greatest resources, time and energy, that the first three chapters of the book are all about self-care and, and, and motherhood, you know, about how to manage your emotions, about self-care skills from a psychologist's perspective. And then it's really um, a series of chapters about what I call the shadow emotions, sadness, anger, fear and worry, embarrassment and shame and disgust. And under those umbrella of broad emotions are smaller you know, emotions on the continuum. You can pick up the book and read 10 pages on resentment and you're gonna feel better because I'm gonna take you through what the feeling is, how it may show up, what's really going on underneath and then take you through some skills and strategies from a cognitive behavioral standpoint on how to work through that resentment. So when it comes to personal freedom, you know, the, the best thing anyone can do is just label what you're feeling. And so if you're feeling resentful that your partner can go and, you know, come and go, or that you're always the default parent and you feel resentful about that, that's your duty to label that feeling, to share that with your partner. So it doesn't become bigger right? Because we don't want it to become so big that it becomes catastrophic for, for the marital bond or the relationship mm -hmm. bond. Mm -hmm. So I have a question around that that maybe some listeners have. So the mother's reading the book. She's, she's doing the work. She's labeling the feelings and communicating that to their partner. And if there's no shift within the partner, how does one manage that piece? No, that's a really great question. And I know a listener definitely was like, like, thank you. You just answered, you just read my mind. Um, so I would give your spouse, your partner, the chapter of the book and, that you just read and ask them to read it. Mm -hmm. Because I write, and again, here's the other thing, get the audible version because a lot of moms can't focus. So you can listen to this like a podcast. Um, you know, so what I say is give your partner, your spouse that chapter and say, this is what I'm feeling. Because that my book is written through empathy. Like I would meditate and then I would imagine the clients that I've worked with over two decades where I'd see those feelings in myself and I would, you know, honor those feelings. It was almost like going into acting, you know, and I would kind of embody that emotion and then shift out of that and come from a place of psychologist teacher. How do I guide someone from this shadow emotion of resentment to feeling more compassion. And that's kind of the arc of each chapter that you, you end with this beautiful reflection that's going to make you feel so grounded and compassionate. So I would, number one, have your partner read whatever you've just read or listened to, um, because we need more empathy and we need more compassion with one another. And we need people to understand our journey. And even, even if you're not going through it exactly, I think that's an act of love spouses and partners can do is to just try to walk in your partner's shoes for a day and just see what that may be like. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. it's a powerful exercise of, of empathy and, and it just, it, it kind of takes away some of the, maybe, you know, the partner's resentment when they can read through a more objective lens, I guess, without, you know, without it being talked to, you know, by their partner where, where maybe there's some, you know, guilt or resentment, like you said, some of those shadow emotions that, that are creeping in. But when they're, when they're reading, it becomes a little bit more um, something they can reflect on for themselves. And so, yeah, I love that. And actually it's funny because Sonia has definitely sent me some articles from time to time um, to help me understand where she's coming from. Because at the end of the day, like, you know, all of us get a little bit tunnel vision and what's going on in our own lives, despite being a part of a family. And so exactly. just, yeah, getting that extra little nudge and 
again, I like how you said that uh, this opportunity for connection and empathy by learning a, a little bit more about where the other person's coming from actually creates this beautiful conversation that can come up. So it really enhances communication. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I also think, you know, so that's one part to it. You know, there's always couples counseling. That's another part. And, you know, the, the, the other option too, is just being there for each other. This isn't about judgment or scorekeeping. This is about just understanding one another. And I think that's really important as well is that, you know, scorekeeping and relationships never work. Um, mm-hmm. They, they always end up with a lot of conflict. So remember yeah. that, you know, this is a team approach and we want all players of the team to feel like they're at their most optimal level. And, um, and that, that isn't always the case for some, you know, so we just want to be yeah. empathic and supportive. Do you find, um, cause I know in part of your description with your book, you're speaking to like the millennium mom as well, just because of the generations that have changed and in your journey as a mother and women that you've been working with for, for however long, the several years, um, have you seen a shift in expectation between couples? Cause you know, we, like you were saying, everyone kind of gets into their roles. Um, when it comes to parenting and there is this underlying expectation that mom does this and dad does this Mm -hmm. and I find in some of my work and even in our personal lives too I feel like our generation and the generation that's showing up after us that men and women are doing similar things now Um, they're both working they're they both have their own lives that they want to enhance and their own growth and and then they're parenting together and they're living together, they're doing these things. So sometimes what I have found, even within myself, is I have these expectations of maybe him showing up a little bit more like me, instead of seeing him as, okay, dad plays this role, and maybe we'll interact with the children like this. But as soon as I see some hardness towards the children, it's like mama bear comes out, it's like, why are you talking to my kids like this? (laughs) So have you seen that maybe because there's these expectations, that's, that's also made it a bit more challenging for parenting today? I do. I do. And I think that every generation has their own parenting style and, you know, it's kind of like a continuum. And so where you fall in terms of that intensity, um, you know, a lot of, of, you know, families that I support and couples that I support, you know, both parents have to work, you know, when we look at kind of the statistics, you know, only 24%, I think from, from Pew research a couple of years ago was 24%. Um, of the U.S. family homes are single earners. So we have a lot of of families um, looking, you know, different in terms of most, the majority are working. So that does require like, what are the roles? What are the delegations? What are the responsibilities? And to communicate that. And what I see a lot in my practice is um, that, that there's, that couples often don't talk about you know, what they're trying to avoid from their childhood of origin. And that doesn't mean blaming like anyone's childhood, but it, but we, we all bring baggage in, in, in good ways, in ways that are challenging about our own childhood experiences to parenting and it informs us what kind of parent or parent are we going to be? What's our parenting style? And so sometimes what I'm seeing is that parents feel like they're on the same page for like the newborn toddler Um, But then, you know, start shifting in terms of, you know, parenting styles when, you know, school age children or teenagers. So, you know, what I would advise and suggest is that you want to know your parenting style and you want to know your own childhood adolescent wounds. What are those sore points that you may have ignored or glossed over or not paid attention to that's going to come up in your parenting? And you want to talk about that with your partner and say, listen, you know, for example, my, you know, one of my friends, you know, shared with me that it was really traumatic for her when, um, you know, her siblings left and her mom went back to work, you know, so she had a lot of anxiety when she became a working mom and she wanted to work. And, but then she had this anxiety because it reminded her of some of her childhood pain. So that was an opportunity where she said to her partner, to her husband, like, Hey, you know what? I'm, feeling some of these feelings, like I need a little extra support here and reassurance. That's a beautiful moment where you can, again, be curious and understand how, how your own personal experiences impact your parenting decisions. And I really see it a lot with teenagers. You know, parents have a lot of feelings about their adolescence and, and try to 
overcorrect or undercorrect in terms of what their own experiences were. So just communication is really the key, I think. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Right, I will add one other thing. Oh, do you mind ahead. if I add one other thing? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. you know, when you, when you talked about like the mama bear, um, you know, I think it's so important for children to see parents on the same page. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I hear a lot from, from clients. Like, when do I step in? When do I not? When do I understand that dads do it different or moms do it different? And that's something to talk about ahead of time too. And just notice your reaction and then decide how to be responsive because Sometimes, you know, parents, you need to step in because your spouse, your partner is losing control and not stepping in is actually acknowledging and saying it's okay for that abuse, neglect, harm to happen. So I think that mama bear is a good um, barometer of figuring out how to utilize that and how to know when it's really just an annoyance, it's a preference or your child's in harm and your spouse or partner's being harsh and you're really upset at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's helpful. Mm-hmm. We've had those conversations of um, having that um, united front in yeah. front of the kids. And I have to say, I'm not perfect at that. And it's a work in progress. You can it's always a work say, in progress. sweetheart, yeah. can we go? Oh, do you have, oh, I, I have something on the calendar I wanna show you or come over here, I wanna show you something in the other mm-hmm. room and just yeah. quietly say, I didn't feel supported in that moment, or you scared. I was scared with the way you raised your voice. Mm-hmm. There are ways to do that in a loving way mm-hmm. that that yeah. your partner can hear. Yeah, because we found actually, you know, just personally, when when if one of us isn't necessarily, you know, supporting, like we like to call it, like swooping in, like swoop, obviously the other person's maxed out. This isn't about what's going on. You know, there could be a cognitive, you know, overwhelm from a myriad of different things. And then this becomes a triggering event that like that, that takes over and they're reacting out of just you know, that, that running on fumes kind of experience. And we realize that when we don't swoop in and just support instead of um, swooping in and like smacking the other parent or whatever, you know, verbally or, you know, um, in a defensive kind of way, it, it really, it, it, it almost emboldens the kids to like, yeah, you know, yeah, like this, I'm, my behavior is okay. <laughs> so right. it sort of cuts you down by the knees, you know, mm-hmm. just so to speak. And, and, and it's interesting because again, mama is acting on instinct or the roles could be reversed and it's just, you know, you get into protective mode. And um, I think it's just a fascinating dynamic that, that we all as, you know, as partners have to navigate and and discover. Exactly. And I think a great thing to do is, you know, what I want to encourage listeners and I say to clients all the time, learn from your mistakes. Don't get stuck. Don't judge yourself. Don't get lost in guilt. Use, use that moment as a moment to recalibrate and say, okay, what could we have as a couple have done different? Um, I snapped at you. I dismissed you. What if we had gone into the other room and, and talked about a strategy or a plan and come together. Here's the other thing that's key is that when we're amped up physically, when we are on physical overload, that our adrenaline's you know, amped up, our blood pressure, our heart rate, our muscles are tense. We're in, we can't process more information, right? We, we kind of go into flooded state. So having that discussion with your partner, like what's that word that I'm enough, I'm done. Like, What's a word that's like a safety word that people cue in and say, okay, it's time for me to not swoop in, but my partner has just identified what they're struggling with and I'm going to come in and help. Mm-hmm. That's really important too, um, because we want to, uh, you know, we're teaching our kids and we're teaching ourselves skills. So it's not about rescue behavior. It's about skill building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so good yeah I love that it's funny because yeah. it, like you were saying the kids really pick up on when that's going on just a little example this morning I don't know if you picked up on it but um, Nick was putting boots on my youngest and I think my youngest felt like he wasn't doing it the right way and he kept looking up at me like dada you're not doing it the right way for me to swoop in and, and save the right. day but I just stood there and watched the interaction but it's funny how they're just so smart from a young age and they'll pick up on the nuances between the parents to see, okay, who can I, yeah. you know, what, what team can I go on so that I can win or get my way in that moment? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that example. It's so true. It's so real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So let's talk about the taskmaster, mm-hmm. sign number three. Yes, the taskmaster. So, you know, I guess that's the other piece. This comes back to cooperation and support. You know, that, that when someone is in charge, we need someone to be in charge. And that means that you have to honor that structure. So you can't pick and choose when you're going to value it, that structure, right? So if you are assigned something and that's your role and responsibility, see it to, to the end zone, like just complete the task. When you get in the role of repeating, you know, repeating, reminding, um, doing it because you'd rather see it done, um, you know, because it, it, too much time has passed, um, you're now undermining your credibility in supporting someone. So if you're assigned something, do it because reminding is what we do for kids. And your partner spouse does not want to be treated like a child. So don't, don't start behaving like one, you know, be an adult and do your responsibilities. And if you can't get to it because of something life happens, there should be flexibility in your relationship and home where you say you don't have your partner, your, your, your spouse come find you and say, how come this wasn't done? You own it and say, gosh, I got slammed with like four emails. I had to make this, you know, extra thing for work. I didn't get to the laundry. I didn't pick up the groceries. You own it. And I think that goes a long way than having, um, you know, found out or discovered, and then it creates more tension. Yeah. Uh, there's there's some loose uh, toilet seats right now <laughs> yeah, that, just that need about some those. tightening yeah. <laughs> right and and here's the other thing is that i think also this is the compassionate piece is that you know when things are assigned toilet seat covers or toilet seats that need to be tightened and it's not getting done instead of judging you want to be curious you know i know this has been on your list for two weeks mm-hmm. like kind of wondering every time i walk mm-hmm. by Every time it slips a little, like wonder what that's about. Like, do you need, do you want to talk about it? Do you want to, do you need some help? Do you want me to do it? Like, you know, so you be curious instead of defensive and, and catching your partner doing something wrong. Cause that doesn't feel good either. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about creating like um, even like a task list. So mm-hmm. just these like little, you know, whether it be odd jobs or little things that need to get done. And then there's, there's like the sign of accountability, mm-hmm. um, Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of like with the kids, we can give ourselves stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's an app that I actually told a friend of mine about where I'm like, you know, just make that task list for him. And he's going to get reminders from the app instead of getting reminders mm. from you. So then it turns into something different than, you know, us nagging each other or reminding each other. But instead, it's like, oh, there's this task that I want to do. And it's the task itself is reminding me I'm waiting for you to finish yeah. um, doing the shower. You know, what's funny, though, like on this conversation. Brilliant. Um, there's things that, that do get completed. And then, you know, it's kind of like we do want, uh, maybe it's a man thing or maybe it's just a me thing. Sometimes I sort of want the parade. Hey, you, you got some big stuff done. This is wonderful. It's kind of like life just goes by and it's like, it, it was never a big deal. And it's so funny how, you know, there's like, and I don't know if this is maybe being rewarded as a kid, everybody gets the medal who plays something. I don't know, but it's, it's an interesting like dialogue inside. Like, Hey, I, I got a bunch of really great stuff done. The toilet seats aren't really a big deal in comparison to all this huge stack of things that I did, did accomplish, but it's not, you know, it's not really about that, of course, but I'd love to hear you speak to that because maybe there is some dads. Or it could be, obviously, it's vice versa, but, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. do we need a big celebration when we complete a task? Well, right. And so what I hear in that, right, so that kind of subcontext is what I hear is where in your life are you not feeling appreciated or grateful for your actions? Is it truly in your relationship? Is it that you've been, like, not feeling rewarded in other parts of your life? So you have to sift out where's this coming from Um, and and do a little pause. Right. And if you feel like you've been doing a lot and you haven't had expressed gratitude, you know, you know, we all need to hear great job. We we just do. And we may not need to hear that for everything we do, but appreciation is what builds intimacy and connection in any relationship. And it actually is a motivator. So when we're, when we're, you know, I'm sure when you teach your children, you know, to do things, you're not criticizing them. You're saying, wow, great job. You gave your good effort. You know, this builds self-esteem, self-efficacy, confidence. And as adults, 
we don't need that type of scaffolding for our actions. But when we do start feeling underappreciated or like, "Mm, gosh, I wish I got a thank you or a gratitude, or I haven't heard a kind word lately, you can learn what that's going, what's going on for you and then decide, you know, what do you want to say about that? You know, and you can just say to your partner, like, it means so much to me when you notice what I do, it fills my heart. And I feel like you really see me and see my efforts. And that just makes me feel so close to you. And thank you. Um, Who can argue with that? Right. I I felt good just hearing it from you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) This is what working with me is like, right? (laughs) Exactly. Well, I think with that, it goes back to what you were speaking to before being self-aware of our own childhoods and how we were brought up and how that's coming into play with our relationships with each other and our children and love languages too. love languages of like what each other needs so that we can feed into that. And then that itself will create that um, feeling of being heard and seen. Yeah, absolutely. It it kind of goes back to what you're saying, even just like we're all a team. So, you know, when, when we can make every player on the team, feel like they're really filling their role and they're, they're doing an amazing job being in support of the team. Everybody wins from that. Go ahead. I know you're going to jump in. And oh, no, I, I love that you underscored that because it's true. It's like, you know, the, the whole is as, is as healthy as it, the parts. And so, you know, we want to make sure that resources of support and nurturance are, I'm using such a technical term, but like distributed and allocated through who needs it. And one of the things I say a lot with my daughters is, you know, things are not always equal, but they're fair because sometimes uh, people need different amounts of support for different times. You know, my, my twins are seniors and, you know, this pandemic happened during um, the end of their junior year and they needed a lot more of my parenting time and, um, in my husband's mm-hmm. parenting time to, to go get through college and SAT and applications and all that, they had higher losses than, you know, our seventh grader and fifth grader. Um, so I think it's also about being responsive to what is going on individually in each family member's life. Some, some people have higher stress than other people. Mm-hmm. Can you repeat what you just said? Yeah, there? Cause so that's a good. really good one for our boys. Cause that comes up quite a bit between them oh. being six and nine. Mm-hmm. So not, so, not always equal, but it's fair. Yeah, things are not always equal, but they're fair, mm-hmm. and that is a big phrase I say to my girls um, because you know kids want to know the boundaries that um, they want to know how come so and so is doing this or how come so and so gets to do that, and I see this in my home where you know twins as my first is a lot, but it's also a lot for the siblings that come after the twins um, because now they have, you know, all these older like pseudo adults in their life. And so um, I want to start wearing mascara at 11 because my 16 year old sister is wearing mascara. So no, like we got to bring that down. You know, you're not wearing mascara at 11. Um, But the phone may, you may need to get a phone earlier than, than they did because I'm working and we need to have access. So it's not always fair, but it's always thought through the lens of what's in the best interest of who needs what. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. yeah. So sign number four, she doesn't take time to enjoy herself. Yes. So, you know, I think again, what I hear with a lot of moms, and I think this is just such a mom brain and I, I wish moms and I need, I'm guilty of this myself. We need to take a page out of dad's handbook because dads have this great ability of when they're in a moment with their children, they can be in the moment. Generally speaking, I'm making a broad statement here, but a mom is going to be like, oh, there's that load of laundry and oh, I've got to do that school form. And did I make sure that that I RSVP to the party? And is there a gift, but I can't go to the store? Should I do a contactless order? Like this is what goes on in a mom's mind. And that's real, right? That's the leadership of the scaffolding of the home, the mental load, where she can't really sit there and do a puzzle or creative play or because she's preoccupied. And so I think it's important to understand that, you know, it it takes some things off her plate to help her play and engage with the kids um, if that's meaningful to her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one really, that, that one hits home for me a lot. And I think a lot of women 
because mm-hmm. we are in so many different places all at once. Even when we're sitting here, I'm like, we haven't signed them up for soccer yet and we need to mm. give them a call. And I've, I've done that. Oh, <laughs> yay. <laughs> Um, so I think this one's so important. Mm -hmm. It is. And it's hard, you know, it's really hard for when this is what I can speak from my own experience, you know, that, that I willingly and gratefully take over the parenting, the majority of the parenting kind of invisible load from, from my daughters. Um, but that doesn't mean it's easy and it doesn't mean that I can always turn it off. And there's a lot of stuff going on in my mind that, I may need to unwind in different ways, you know, than, than my husband or, you know, than a girlfriend or, you know, I may need to unwind in different ways. And I think that's okay. I think it's so important that self-knowledge of knowing what do you need to transition so you can relax and, you know, engage with your child um, without feeling like there's a to-do list. And I think what COVID has kind of created is that there's no um, separation between work and home and our commutes used to be this golden hour of decompressing some for some of us. And we don't have that. We walk down the hallway. And um, so I think knowing yourself and what you need to kind of, you know, decompress and, and be focused in the present is really, really an important skill that no one can really teach you but yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's so good. The, the fifth one, the children encompass some of your behaviors. And I know we touched on this as they're they're um, observing how we're speaking to ourselves and to each other and how we're interacting with our world. And I think one thing that shows up for a lot of mothers and for fathers is some guilt around the moments where maybe our best foot wasn't uh, put forward in our interactions. So how does- Speak for yourself, Sonia. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So how do I navigate- Speak from the eye, speak from the eye. um, navigate those moments with our children. I mean, one practice that we definitely have in our family is that we will, we will say when we've made a mistake, you know, we're mom and dad, we're still learning and we don't always get it right, but we're, we're trying to do the best that we can. And I'd love to hear if there's other tools or things that we can say to ourselves and then to our children to help support that. I love that. And I, lo- I, I couldn't agree with you more that, you know, we, we learn from our mistakes. That's where we get the gems of our wisdom of what to do differently next time if we're paying attention. And sometimes we have to make the mistakes multiple times in a row before we get the lesson. But the, but the, the goal is to pay attention and pay attention to what's happening. And I love the, the fact that you've created in your home that, that you can own your mistakes and apologize is so key. It is so key. And we don't want to over-apologize, right? Like sometimes women can over-apologize for everything. I'm sorry for this, that, whatever. Intentional apologies. Wow. Mommy raised her voice. I'm so sorry. I'm really stressed. I imagine you must've been scared. Um, Mommy's going to work really hard to take a break and find other ways. Cause I don't like it when I yell. I don't like the way I feel. And I don't want you to feel scared. And then you, you know, you can own it. And you can own it and and let your child know how you're feeling about that. Um, So I think number one, you just be that role model of modeling vulnerability and taking responsibility for your behavior. Um, So I think the other part is, you know, when you see a behavior that you don't want your child to be doing, or you notice that in yourself is you want to talk to your child about that. You know, don't be afraid to, you know, call out behaviors that are problematic and, you know, not to get lost in guilt because guilt is going, you know, unmanaged guilt goes into shame Mm -hmm. and nobody thrives in shame. So when you make a mistake, you know, you you work through it, talk to your partner, talk to your, you know, supportive people in your life. If you feel like it's really stuck and guilt and and shame is, is kind of sticking around too much and you feel like a less than parent, a not good enough mother, um, Talk to a counselor because, you know, guilt often, let me say this, some, sometimes depression doesn't always show up as sadness. It shows up as feelings of worthlessness, guilt, low self-esteem, critical thoughts. So we want to be mindful that if something becomes a pattern that we pay attention to it and take care of our mental health. Mm-hmm. I, I love I, I think it's so important when, when we're speaking to, you know, a, an authentic communication or you know a, a version of an apology because sometimes it's just sort of like the scapegoat to, i'm sorry 
you know, but when we actually label the the experience, we don't really even have to get into a, a, a you know, I'm so sorry. It's more like this is what was going on. Oh, you know, I didn't realize that was going on for you. You know, and sort of explaining out how you're feeling, the process of what was going on, and you know, maybe why someone reacted and and why mama or dada lost her temper. I think it just it just helps to again create that scaffolding. It just explains a little bit more about the the context of the moment because the end of the day, everyone's just going to see someone, you know, losing their mind in a moment. And that means nothing because there's no context for what's actually going on. So I think, yeah, it, explaining that out and having, having dialogue is beautiful. Exactly. And I think that that's what we can do is we can own our feelings as parents. And um, I do a lot of that, you know, in, in Mama, You're Enough. The other thing I'll say too is, um, there was two things in there that you said that I wanted to come back to. Um, one, oh, one is really important. So developmentally, um, children do not understand disgust until they're around eight or nine. Hmm. So when you're disgusted with their backpack or disgusted because they didn't flush the toilet and you show disgust, you're disgusted. They, children can see that as anger. Mm. So we want to be really mindful of our emotions that you may not mean as a parent to seem angry and shameful, but your child developmentally, if they may see disgust, a, a reaction of like repulsion or being disgusted by something differently. So opening up that dialogue and communication with your child is so important. And, um, and don't be afraid to do that. I last week, you know, there's so much crisis with mental health right now. And it was a really intense two weeks um, that I've really never seen in 20 years um, of, of practicing. I've seen a couple episodes of like really intense clinical times. Um, and a couple of weeks ago was one of them. And I came home from running a quick errand um, and doing some, you know, crisis intervention from multiple clients. And I was sobbing. Like I was, I couldn't control myself because I just walked in the kitchen I was no longer in public, even with a mask on. And I sobbed and I, I said to my girls and, and my husband, I said, oh my gosh, I know this seems really scary seeing me like this. I'm not mad at any of you. I'm not upset at any of you. I had such a hard day at work, um, you know, even though it's telehealth thing, but going and it, and it just came like a wave. So I'm going to go take some time for a minute and I love you all. And I'll be down in a little bit when I can take care of myself. And right there, I created a safe environment. I owned my feeling. I reassured them that it wasn't about anyone in the house. And I told them I was using skills and strategies to take care of myself. So opportunities where we feel a lot of emotion are really wonderful places to teach our children how they can model their emotions and take care of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I've We've found that even with grief, we had, um, well, I had a loss um, back in December and they definitely saw me move through that grief and there weren't, there weren't some great moments, but in, I think that's when the swooping in can kind of come into because Nick did a really good job of sharing with them what was going on with me. So then it gave me space to then come back and share mm -hmm. with them what was going on with me. So then we mm -hmm. can have that conversation around it. So I do feel it's important that children see us move through these emotions so when their emotions show up they don't feel like there's something wrong with them but instead like okay this is this is normal in quotation marks and i have tools that i can move through it instead of trying to hide it or feeling guilt or shame around my emotion of anger or whatever is going on for me so i think that's a really great example that you shared thank you yeah, thanks, and, thanks and, for sharing that. yeah of course in my 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 thoughts and my heart is are with you both you know pregnancy loss is never easy it's very hard. It's not spoken about. And um, I too had a loss in between my twins and uh, my third daughter and it stays with you. And um, I really got chills when you said that, that you shared grief and there were not some great moments that give yourself grace that how would you know how to be, you know, it's a profound loss. It's, you know, impacts your body. It impacts your mind. It impacts your heart, your soul, and, and um, it impacts the family. And, um, it, it's a journey, you know, uh, it's in, and to wrap your kids into part of that grief appropriately as you've done and let, and have a dialogue helps them develop skills that they can be good friends, good partners, good employees, you know, good students, because 
they feel safe, that emotions don't feel dangerous, that mommy and daddy go through really sad things and they talk about it. And that is a beautiful thing. So I would reframe it and give yourself grace on that, that it wasn't really a mistake. It was an opportunity to grow. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So I didn't, I didn't have a pregnancy loss. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I misunderstood. Mm-hmm. No, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Which, thank you for sharing with us your yeah. experience. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think every loss is important to recognize and especially pregnancy loss. I work with a lot of women and it's, you know, pieces of that have happened in my family. And yeah. I think it's so important to talk about. It's so important to bring up. Yeah. And yeah. which leads us into the next one, which is mm-hmm. everything's fine. So let's, let's talk about the word fine and, <laughs> and what oh, yes. she does say that. Yeah. Number six. <laughs> yeah. So fine is a great code word for something's going on, but I don't feel safe enough to tell you. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, really, and remember that when you're feeling that as well, you know, for moms, you know, you want to be intentional about responding. If someone's saying, you know, how are you doing? And you respond fine you know, you also want to create that self-awareness that, that you're, you know, feeling something and maybe not prepared. So can you broaden that and say something different other than fine? So can you say something like, I'm really struggling right now, but I don't want to get into it. Maybe when, you know, if you want to take, take over for a little bit, or when I finish up dinner, or when I finish some work, I'll tell you how you can help me, but I can't go into it right now. So we want to broaden those quippy kind of, um, relationship um, blocks, you know, so fine is really shutting down and not saying enough. Um, But you also want to be curious on the other end, if you're hearing that from your spouse to say, okay, I know that fine probably means something more. What can I do for you right now? Do you need a hug? Can I help you? Do you just want your own space? Like I'm here for you. And I do want to hear what fine means. So I think just Give yourself permission to kind of, again, be curious, compassionate, and inquire about what that means. Um, Because fine usually is repressing or suppressing something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's such an important distinction to make. Yeah, and I would say like in in our relationship too, something that that I've always, you know, as, as, as a man being in our sort of male role of, of wanting to fix things, I've certainly done a really good job of helping me understand uh, what a more supportive role could be for, for, you know, my effort. And one of the things that I, I know that she, she's really good at um, bringing to the conversation is this word of safety. And I know when the, she first said that to me, I felt like I, it really bothered me. It bothered me to think that she couldn't feel safe enough to talk to me about what's going on. And, and maybe that's not what the role of a man should be. Like maybe that's the role of a girlfriend and, and it was interesting, just my own work over over the years of of just you know honoring the fact that you know Nick, like yeah, you could do a better job of creating a safer space, of of getting out of that fix it mode and trying to just you know let's just get on with this. Okay, everything's fine. Let's just move on. You know, and notice you know the word of fine on on my end, and it's it's such an important one. It's so important to be able to connect with your partner and, mm-hmm. and truly honor what's going on and and. And to take ownership over, you know, maybe you're not creating a safe space. And, and if you're hearing that from your partner, you know, take that to heart. And how can we show up better for, for each other? Uh, that's, a, that's an important one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I love that. And it's just about creating space for each other and, you know, realizing that when we allow ourselves to express our thoughts and our feelings and our fears, and we get enough of that out, sometimes we can look you know, back at each other and say, okay, that's enough. That's all I needed. Or other times you're like, wow, this, I need, I need to get out more, or I need to connect with my girlfriends or thank you for listening. Here's what I need you to do. Here's how you can help me. Um, When we, that, when we create space, it opens up to solutions. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what you brilliantly kind of intuitively said is I need a safer space, which is really a commentary on the different styles is that, are we being supportive and, you know, holding space or are we solutions and fixing and neither is wrong. It's just, again, kind of figuring out the timing and, and what the individual needs and, and nobody can answer that other than the two people in the conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I totally think of it like as a toolkit, you know, if you've got a, you know, a certain type of screw you I screw in, but you got the wrong screwdriver, uh, it's not going to work, you know, so it's, 
you know, similar situation. You can't just come in and be Mr. Fix-It and try to solve a problem for someone else when obviously it's, it's their learning experience that they need to go through. And, and they really, like you said, just need that safe space, that container exactly. so that they can mm-hmm. have their emotions. Yeah. Yeah. And women share, you know, this is another part in terms of how we're socialized. Um, you know, men and women are socialized differently. And, you know, women are also hardwired to share details. So part of our way of connecting intimately with our friends, with our partners in the world, with our, you know, even with our children, that emotional intimacy is to share details. And so have patience, like that may not be your style, but talking about a story and having a full narrative and putting your partner in scene or so they understand your journey maybe what they need, you know, they may need to know all the details, even though in your mind, you're like, oh my gosh, get on with it, get to the point. That's not what she needs. Um, You know, maybe just, again, creating that space and giving context helps step into her reality. And that's enough. Hmm. Well, I'm just thinking of like, you know, not necessarily every couple or or say in this case, maybe a man knows how to, to show up better for his wife or his partner. Again, it could be partnered male, female, doesn't matter. Um, you know, what's a way to start to open up that ability to be there for your partner? Because inherently, if you're still together, your partner, there, there should be some desire to, to grow together and, and um, you know, make an effort to, to make things even better and, and, and reveal more about one another. Let's say if someone doesn't have those skills, like what is, you know, what is creating a safe space mean? Like how can, how can someone, and again, obviously they could probably read your book too, uh, maybe a step one and but where's a place for people to to open up to some of these skill sets no i think that's a great question um modern life family life is busy life in a pandemic is complicated um you know we get very focused in as parents on productivity and um all those supporting roles that we're obligated to so you really want to create space for relaxation for joy And also to connect. I mean, you know, the way that a family runs efficiently is when everyone knows kind of what's going on in terms of expectancies and schedule and routine. So, you know, even having a family meeting when your kids get older and old enough to participate in the who, what, when, where of what's going on um, of the week and chores and delegating things is important, but that's also important as a couple. And so you want to have time where, you know, 15 minutes or less, half hour a week, where you actually listen to each other. Um, and you're not multitasking, you're not, you know, watching television and just listening and not making eye contact. You're not doing the dishes. You're not folding laundry unless you're both folding laundry and can look at each other but you want to create an environment where you're being responsive and mirroring um, interest and support to one another. So multitasking on your phone, doing other activities is going to take away from that bonding. So, you know, a lot of communication is miscommunicated through our nonverbals, through not paying attention, through being distracted. So creating space for each other just to connect um, and talk about things and remember why you started you know, decided to have children in the first place is you probably were friends before this. So you want to keep those components alive and different now that you're parents. That's beautiful. I, I mean, one of the things that Sonia and I love to do is we, we lead, uh, or into, up until the pandemic, we lead uh, yearly retreats where people can be in an immersive setting. And, and really like what it is, it's just a really a beautiful sacred space where people can work on this stuff. Because like you said, it's not always the time to do honest, open communication and honest and open listening when there's a million things going on and around. So I think, you know, uh, something that we have incorporated is these family meetings and, and, um, and then the other thing too, that, that, that I know we need to do more of personally as a couple is, is just spend more time on date nights and because that's a great time to, you know, to, to really connect in on some of these things that aren't really in your face in that moment, but it's, it's a, safer, less triggered environment for, for an opportunity to connect. Exactly. I think carving out that space is so important. And also knowing like, when is your best time? Like, when is your best time of the week? When is the best time of your day? You know, I encourage a lot of um, couples, like, like sometimes tough conversations, you know, can't happen late at night because you're emotionally drained, physically drained, you're tired, you're more likely to 
um, get into arguments or fight. So you really want to set yourself up as a couple for success. And sometimes that's hard to do because it's so busy right now, but, you know, make that a priority and be creative, um, you know, is, is, is a goal that I always try to encourage people to think about. So we want to respect your time and you've given us so much to think about. And I know our listeners are going to really gain from this, especially during this time. And um, today we're recording and it's International Women's Day. So I think it's such a perfect topic for women to dive into, because I know for myself, I'm getting weekly phone calls from friends that are now on anxiety medication or they're just, you know, navigating the world today is just such a challenge. So I think this will give them that glimpse of hope and understanding of themselves. So thank you for sharing all your knowledge. Um, before you go, I have one last question for you. Yes, and thank you. Um, yeah, if, so this question I'd like to ask at the end. I wonder, um, wonder if we, just before we get into this last question, maybe okay. we can just um, highlight where everyone can access her information and then, sure. and then let's get into the question. Yeah, so where can everybody find you? Maybe give the title of the book again so that they can go and purchase it for themselves. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate that. So yes, so you can um, find my book, Mama, You Are Enough, How to Create Calm, Joy, and Confidence Within the Chaos of Motherhood. You can get an Audible. You can get it on paperback anywhere books are sold. Um, you know, Amazon's a great place as well as independent bookstores. But if you really want to get it, probably Amazon's the best place. Um, and you can also follow me at momswellbeing.com. And I'm on my Instagram and Facebook handle is also at momswellbeing. Um, they're, they're great resources. I have blogs and other excerpts um, from the book and resources all on momswellbeing.com. So good. And, mm -hmm. and just as I'm looking here, there's a great uh, emotional well-being assessment. Take the quiz. Mm. Uh, so there's a quiz on the website as well, which I think, you know, anyone listening that's sort of, oh, yeah, this resonates. Uh, maybe that's a good place to start as well. Thank you. Yes, it is. I created that. That's a free resource and you'll, you'll get an overview of what are your predominant emotions. And also on the website, Moms Wellbeing, you can get free downloads, a wheel of self-care and motherhood that you can print out one that's filled out as an example, but then a blank one for yourself. Um, and dads can do it too. And also a motherhood wheel of emotion and just kind of track your emotions. Um, those are free as well as how to manage your anger. So um, those are all great resources that you don't need the book to purchase. Um, you don't have to purchase the book rather, but you can get those resources. Amazing. Thank you. I love that. So my last question for you, if you knew that tomorrow was it when you were going to leave your physical body, what is the imprint that you would like to leave in the world? Oh my gosh. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> that I, that I made a difference that I help some people. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. That's my goal. Yeah. You know, suffering. Is that, yeah. Suffering's like, thank you. I, that, that is, thank you. I received that. So it, it, the, this is like nothing else the past year, this pandemic. And um, as a psychologist, what I see with parents and kids, it, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And there's not enough, support. There's not enough resources. We're just not doing enough. And those friends that are calling you and saying, I'm on anti-anxiety meds, I can guarantee you at one point, they felt like they were failing as a parent or failing as a person. And that just, like, I just want to give them a big hug and say, no, these are extraordinary circumstances and you're doing the best that you can. And that is the resource. So if today was my last day and what would the impact, it would be just to remind parents to remind mothers that and fathers that you are the most important person in your child's life and that you're not measured over days, you're measured over a lifetime. And so give yourself grace, take care of yourself with compassion. And, you know, we're really here to help one another and to heal. And that would be my greatest joy if that is what I accomplished. Thank you. Your words mean a lot. Yeah. And I know yeah, they're going to touch so many people. So you made me cry. <laughs> that makes Thank, you us. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you both. It's a joy. I love, like, I want to come have dinner at your house. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> I love welcome. it. I just yeah. love the energy. So thank you so much for having me and, and letting me share um, my thoughts and just really appreciate you both.
Oh, thank you. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Health Ignited Podcast. Be sure to download, subscribe, and share as we build this conscious community together. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, drsjensen.com. Please note all information on this podcast is not and should not be taken as medical advice. Please see a healthcare professional to receive the care needed. Thank you for sharing this time with us, igniting your health freedom. And welcome to the tribe.